0: The Jeremy White Show. Well, uh, let's get right into this. Our next guest got a brand new single out called "A Fool in Love." You can check it out now wherever you get your music. Uh, I'm hoping there's a record in the works because, I mean, this, this music is great. So we'll talk all about that and this all-star band that he's put together. Uh, welcome to the show for the first time, Brett Hellings from Hellings. How you doing, hey, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you, Jeremy? First of all, I, I just want to start with the Big Stones poster behind you. Big Stones fan.
1: Absolutely. Probably my favorite band of all time, I would say. Yeah. So we love Mick and Keith is uh, what everybody strives for, I think, in rock and roll. Um, big fan of, you know, Aerosmith, Zeppelin, uh, Mr. Mark Bowen right here, T-Rex. I put my T-Rex shirt on today. But uh, of course, the Stones, I think, take my take my first place in my heart. So Yeah.
0: What was it about the Stones music? I mean, like, do you remember the first time you ever heard them?
1: I do remember the first time I heard them. I remember my brother turning me on to them. And it was more like in the 80s when they were doing kind of, you know, not so 70 so stones, which I love, you know. Yeah. Um, and even in the 90s kind of thing. But when I was turned on to them and then I kind of went back into the history of the stones and I saw that circus performance like 69, you know, and uh, just some of the live stuff of 72 tour and stuff. I was like, oh, my God, if I could just do this, this is really cool. I mean, it right. was just so out of control. It didn't matter what he did. It was just so cool. <laughs> it was because the songs are so good. So it taught me that songs are key. Don't get up on stage if you don't have good tunes, you know? And then you can act like a fool, you know? <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, nobody's going to the stadium to hear crappy songs, right? No, it's exactly. Like it's, and they're not really going to the stadium just to see a performance. It's got to be about the music first. And then you get you get to do whatever you want, make your own individual thing. So yeah. I just loved it. So that's, the, that's my favorite era. But with the first Stones, I just saw them dancing around to like, you know, start me up in that pink thing that you are the purple jumpsuit thing. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I know pants. exactly
0: what you're talking about. And I was like, what
1: is this guy on? I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's so dorky, but it's so cool. And then I was like, oh, whoa, you should see him in like the 70s. Oh my God, there's nothing better than like the Some Girls tour of like 68 or 78, you know, and just seeing them at their prime. And that album, of Some Girls, is probably my favorite. So.
0: Yeah. Did you ever get to see The Stones live like over the years?
1: I did. I did. I actually did. So I got to see them in Vegas uh, about, uh, I would say, when they first came back, the 50th anniversary tour. uh, Or uh, that was that tour. And I saw them with uh, two different parties. Two different girls took me because they knew how much I loved it. So I went to the Vegas one and then I went to the LA one. Saw them at the uh, Spectrum or I I saw them at the Staples Center. And then um, I got to see them again uh with my brother that we started the band with hellings actually at the link in philadelphia so i got to see him three times and every time the one time in philly was amazing because uh when they played give me shelter it started to rain right as it was happening and he was out in the rain he didn't care and the girl came back and did like the lisa fisher part or whoever does that part on the record and it was like oh my goodness it was just the most iconic sort of rock and roll moment, you know? That's just kind of... I mean, you just can't make that
0: shit up, right? I mean,
1: you can't. It just happened. I was like, did they summons God? Or something? I was like,
0: hey... Right. You know? It's like Prince performing at the Super Bowl doing Purple exactly. Rain, and it starts raining. Oh
1: my God, it was so great! I know, I remember that performance. So yeah, so yeah, I got to see them. I can't wait to see them again. Hopefully, maybe I get to open up for them someday. That would be a dream come true.
0: That would be <laughs> epic, right? Well, before we talk about you know the, the new music and you know you've got this All Star lineup on the next on the new couple of songs you've put out. I mean, talk a little bit about the history of the band Hellings and you know where did you guys get your start? And I mean, like talk about you a little bit. You know, yeah, I, well, I got
1: into music when I was like around fourteen. Um, my yeah, so brother- paint
0: the picture for me. What year is this?
1: This is uh this would be nineteen ninety six. So this is right after the grunge movement was happening. I was a uh, you know I was born eighty two. So it was like right around there where I was starting to find myself. And my brother was really getting into rock and roll. And I knew or uh, right around that time when I was like eleven or twelve, he's listening to all this new stuff. This this movement that's coming out, which is way different. Uh, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. Um, of course, you know, STP. So I kind of fell in love with STP because, you know, Scott Weiland was such a great front man. And I l- remember listening to that album Purple forever before I went to go see them, my first rock concert ever. And I saw Scott Weiland come out in a blue suit, white shoes, doing his James Brown stuff, just out of out of control. So cool, but in control. And I fell in love. I was like, oh my goodness, if I could do that for the rest of my life, I'm good. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do until that point. And then from there on, I just started playing guitar and I started singing and, and I, you know, I was a worship leader in my local church because that's the only thing I could do. You know, my parents yeah. would let me go play bars or do it's, anything. It's like kind
0: that. of ironic how church always gives you like an outlet for rock and roll in a way. Oh, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like How ironic.
1: I know right and it, but it was really cool because I learned about the spiritual e- essence of music and how music can really move people into believing or feeling anything you know so I was really grateful for that and that gave me an outlet and then I just started to write my own stuff and and, and create bands in high school and all that kind of stuff and then I went to Berkeley for school music for a little bit and I was not really feeling it I got in it was really cool but it, college wasn't really for me because mm-hmm. it was about songwriting I was like I can't write songs in a classroom or anything like that so I was like, I want to go out to LA. So me and my brother packed up and I had a record at that point that I did. It was kind of like a solo record and we went out to the Strip and I spent about 10 years out in LA on the Strip with my brother and that's where Hellings was formed and we created an album called Electric Drag. So we were creating, Hellings has been creating albums in different lineups for so long, you know? And mm-hmm. then um, I got with a guy named Elias, Elias Reedy and we did an album called Ride when I was out in LA. So I went in and out of LA a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm back kind of in Philadelphia area and I got a hold of David Davidian or David Davidian got a hold of me and he's Alice Cooper's tour manager. And this is during the COVID era. And, and that's- So is how does he
0: find you though? I mean, like you're putting up covers online or like, was it original? Yeah. Like
1: It was kind of weird. I found uh, there was this uh, uh, the girl named Mo that really h- helped me out. She kind of found me online, you know, just through Facebook and through friends and whatnot. And she checked out my stuff and she really liked it. And she knew the program director- for alice cooper's uh podcast and i got on nights with alice
0: cooper uh of my here to have a good time song which is a super fun show by the way if you ever listen to it like i I got it on my local rock station over here and he tells like the best tales and like it's good so
1: good he's just such a cool guy i've got to see him recently since i've worked with some of his people and everything he's just such a demand but i yeah i really i was so excited because i've never been on like a really major uh radio show or podcast before and he he played my uh, my song and he t- kind of said that, hey, listen, if you if you even want the better than the uh, likes of the Struts or, uh, you know, Greta Van Fleet and all that, he gave us so much g- good compliments. I was like, oh, my goodness. Right. And he introduced us to the world. And David Davidian kind of listened to the program. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I think this kid really has something. And and then he contacted me and then we worked together for a while. And then I started working with Tommy Hendrickson from uh, Alice Cooper's band. Yeah. And- good friend of the
0: show. Love Tommy.
1: Oh, Tommy's the best. He's like Uncle Tommy, you know. And uh, he started remixing a bunch of my stuff. And then when COVID really did hit, or pandemic shut down, all these players were available and not doing anything, not working, not doing anything, just bored. You know, all hope was lost when no one had live music there for a while. You know, we yeah. were all. And I, I was like, well, you know what? Maybe we could get together and just take the best of the best of whatever. Uh, you know, people we get around and make an album out of it. And that's when David Davidian called up Buck from Aerosmith and Rich from Guns. And we got Billy Sheehan on the line and, and Kenny Arnoff. And and then we created this band and we just went down to the the borderline, which we're, I think we're going to be calling the album uh, of El Paso, Texas. And and we, we sat there for two weeks and created a rock and roll album. So it, it is coming, the rock and roll album, as you as you were asking. So yeah. we're, we're doing single by single just to kind of like, Release something with a music video and make it proper and everything, and and you know playing it out throughout the year. But um, that that that's kind of the story. And I've been doing rock and roll since I was very young, and don't
0: plan on stopping anytime soon. So you're all over the place. I mean, you're in LA. You got a couple of records. I mean, like trying to make it big, and you got Alice Cooper's tour manager sort of discovering you. Like at at this point in your career, I mean, it it must be like at at some point did you ever think like you know what fuck this I'm just gonna give up i I never got to the level of arenas or like do you ever have oh, that my moment. God. So many times,
1: and really not so. The worst was right before I met Mo and I met David Devine. It was so crazy. I really thought I just kind of was like, you know what? It's just not happening. I've been doing this for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm not in LA again. You know, I'm like back home. I'm always like always going back home when something doesn't work out, a record deal falls through, or management contract, and you're just like, yeah. I just can't get a break. And now I remember even um, going to my dad and going to breakfast and being like, okay, I guess I, I guess. This is it. I guess I guess I have to, you know, just settle down and maybe just do a studio, become a producer or something like that. I have to get a job. I know I gotta get a regular, regular job. And I was like,
0: <laughs> I was swearing,
1: I was crying over eggs. I was just well, like, yeah. I, I mean, it's
0: out. an emotional thing, right? Because you, you're chasing this dream, and you know, you know that you have what it takes, and it's like you just can't yeah. get it in front of the right people, and it's it total- that I was saying it
1: because I was like, This is so stupid. I know that I'm supposed to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do with my life. How yeah. can I be saying this? So it didn't make any sense. And I think that the 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 release of that though was what what triggered something in the universe to say, hey, uh, you know what? I think it's time. I think it's time for someone to give you a shot, and that's where I got David Davidian involved, and and that's where it all I worked out. So
0: yeah. Yeah. So, um, talk a little bit about the lineup. I mean, like, you've got some incredible musicians on this. I mean, l- let's talk about Tommy Hendrickson for a second because he's a good friend of the show and yeah. I know him well. I mean, like, he's worked with everybody at this point and, you know, on his latest everybody.
1: record. And he's, he's probably one of the coolest, nicest guys I've ever worked with yeah. in my in- entire career.
0: He's he's what you'd call one of the real ones. and Oh, yeah, the real, real dude, real. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about him for a little bit. I mean, like, what does he bring to the table and how does he just elevate your performance? Well, like he, how does how does Tommy come in and like take you to the next level?
1: Yeah, Tommy, uh, well, Tommy comes in first, very encouraging, really real. And I mean, I remember the first conversation I had with him. He gave me a call. I was uh, I was in my Philadelphia apartment, and I answered that call immediately because I was like, "Oh my god, this is him!
0: And he's finally calling
1: me!" You know, I was like, "Oh," you didn't give me. it
0: two rings. You answered. Oh uh, no,
1: I answered, I was actually sleeping on the couch. So I was like, <laughs> no clothes on. I was just like, I have to answer this immediately. Bare that, ass,
0: Tommy Hendricks, You're like yo, bro. <laughs>
1: like hi he's like yo what's up man you know he's got that uh you know uh long island accent and he was like so how do you sound like every great singer but like none of them at the same time that was the first thing he said to me and i was like wow that is so just like a great compliment you know and then he was like um i would love to work with you i cannot believe you're out there we didn't know you really existed that's kind of his way of working with you getting very very um, just uh, encouraging, being really cool, and then also, um, he really kind of goes into who you are as an artist. I would say when we were doing my my vocals and stuff like that, it was incredibly detailed and and free, but. I mean, he gets into each note. and He is so detailed with it. And you don't think he kind of is, you know, when you first meet him because he's so charismatic and so cool. But he really challenges you to be the best you are. And then, of course, with Buck, that that duo, since they're in a band together and everything, that was just an incredible uh, feat. Uh, Those two together, that combo, because Buck is such a great singer. So is Tommy. And those two just basically co-produced to me into uh, the vocals that you're hearing and the music that you're hearing right now. So uh, in, in the new record. So it was just a, such a privilege. But he he takes you to the next level by telling you are and then making you prove it. You know, that's really what it is. So it's, a, it's an amazing relationship that I have
0: through him. And it's good to have somebody like that in your corner, because with all of his experience and the people, I mean, you know, just the experience of working with Mont Lang on his stuff and like I mean, I I can only imagine, you know, having somebody like that, you know, guiding you through, you know, maybe be, put a little bit more inflection on this syllable of that song. Like, does it get you that know, intricate or? Yeah. Oh, yes. Very, very intricate. I would
1: always be doing little things after my vocals, you know, like, all right, baby, come on. Ow, you know, anything like that. You go, stop. No, no owls. <laughs> just like, just let's cut the word because I'm going to double this. I'm going to tr- quadruple it, you know, so it's such a mut- thing. Yeah. We're going to make so big B. So I'm like, okay, so be professional. It sounds great, but we just need to focus. So he, he, I think learned so much from Mutt because when I was listening to the tracks that he was doing with Crossbone uh, Scully and what Mutt was doing, he was just like, wow, he's taking everything. He's learning. He's becoming like a, a apprentice to Mutt Lang. I really do feel it. And even when he, we were doing our record, he was doing the same thing. Layering those backgrounds, making those things so big and so such a pad for me to sing over, do what I do best,
0: you know. Which so, is also a bit of a lost art these days, because a lot of people just go in and cut it and like, "Oh, that sounds good." Like they think that's just yeah. so rock and roll. But to me, I mean, like at the end of the day, the record is going to live; it's going to stand the test of time if it's if it's great. And no, I exactly. think,
1: it, yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And it's a really lost art, and not a lot of people take the time on their records as much anymore it's such a fast turnaround as you can notice you know maybe I not in that, the rock and roll world. it's not a lot of a rock and roll world you know nowadays so yeah. at least in new new stuff but the old guys still do it you know the older uh individuals still do it like how they're supposed to be done that big rock is so needed right now yeah. and big ballads are needed again that's where kill me uh i know we just released full love but kill me we came kind of came out with first because like who has a big rock ballad nowadays that doesn't sound like a Alternative rock, you know, not like a the Dolce kind of stuff or Nickelback kind of stuff. No, it's like it's just a big arena rock ballad, like kind of a Guns had, you know. They done yeah. not beat Guns without November Rain and, and patience and these. Even though that was a stripped down thing, it's still such a big concept and so universal. So we really and and we we just focus on that so much is making these really things. Or these these classic songs, things that are going to last. And you have to spend the money. A lot of people don't want to. A lot you have to spend the time. You have to really, really dissect and go into it. And that's a lot of people don't do that nowadays, which we need, I think.
0: Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is to blame uh, like social media is to blame for that, though, because it's like everybody's attention span is just so short. They want to crank out a video, crank out the content, 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 content. And then it it recycles and then it's forgotten about three days later when the algorithm doesn't show it anymore.
1: I know, right? And it's like, what happened? And then it's but you know what? I think it goes to show it only lasts as quick as you make it, you know, kind of deal. You know, if you're only going to spend a certain amount of time on something, and it's not going to be so you just want a quick turnaround. It's going to turn around quick you know the stuff that we were working on with this album i mean that one song that buck brought to us kill me was in his pocket for like 10 years like five years you know seven years it was trying to write it for a stephen tyler's uh solo album and uh, i was so honored to be able to sing something that stephen tyler didn't want to sing so
0: i was like oh my god kind of cool right
1: <laughs> yeah i'm like oh my goodness i was like called to arms you know like okay i have to go into <laughs> war you know yeah and it, Singing anything that was written for him is not an easy task since he's like one of the best singers ever. So um, but and, and then Tommy's stuff like he had songs for so many uh, different eras of his writing and he just gave it to the project and to me. So it was like this this project was like 10 years in the making. We just didn't know it. So it was really easy when we got together. It only took us a couple of weeks to get everything down, especially because of the dedication, the talent level of everybody in that room everybody just knew what to do it was, it was the most amazing recording experience I've ever done because I, there was no, there was no downtime. It was just all on and everybody agreed with each other. It was pretty remarkable to see how a real pro session goes. I'm usually amusing I'm usually in rock and roll bands that uh, someone's showing up late or someone has some sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> like drinking problem or addiction or the yeah. girlfriend's in a way and like stuff like that, you know, stupid stuff. This yeah. is, Pro, you know and and then it really comes through in the music and then we could just sort of fully concentrate on the music and giving you guys the best that we can you know
0: uh we're talking to brett hellings hellings new single a fool in love available now get it forever you stream Uh, new record going to be coming out later this year i mean the, and the first title by the way kill me to keep loving you what a great title i mean talk a little bit about the, the writing process i mean you talked about you know how buck and tommy they had the songs but like, I man, how do you go in and do you they have song ideas do you bring them into the into the fold and you kind of collaborate or I
1: was just kind of I was just uh, adding on that uh, in the previous question but yeah we kind of went in and everybody brought the best of the best that they've been writing uh in the past years or maybe even decade you know and so we just basically said all right we're going to bring everybody's best to the table and then we all as a band really in the studio decided which ones we really wanted to work on, which ones we didn't. And Kill Me To Keep Loving You, again, was uh, Buck brought it to us. And he was writing stuff. since he writes all the time. And and he was writing stuff for Steven Tyler. And he was writing stuff for just himself and stuff like that. But this, in particular, with Eric Helbig, um, he wrote a song based off of a loss, you know, a loss that someone was going through. And at that time in my life, I just related with it so hard. And I didn't really want to sing it because it, uh, it was like a weird, it was so real to me. And I, uh, but and the first demo I kind of got was like a pop country demo. And I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? I don't do this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Uh, but all of a sudden people reminded me, you, you have Rich Fortis, you know, you have Kenny Arnoff. You're going to have people making this humongous. So I gave it a shot and I sang it. And all the producers were like, oh, my God, Brett, you got to do it. It's just that song, you know. And yeah. so, and also, I felt, you know, a little called to arms that if someone else doesn't want to do it, that I respected my whole life, I have to do it, you know. And uh, they probably just told me that. So it's just so I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just <laughs> need no, that little no, nudge, right? You okay. didn't want to do it, you know. I'm like, oh, my God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. that went right out the door of me saying no to that. Um, And then and then it just came together. It came together so quickly. And Tommy brought a couple of songs to it. And then also um He brought uh, two songs actually on the track. Which one made the album? Um, and uh "I want You to Fall uh, Fall in Love with Me." Uh, "I Wish You Fall in Love with Me," which is a really good one, which will be released with the album. And then he, uh, him, and Buck wrote uh, "Feet to the Fire," which you guys will hear. And I just kind of came in and added some lyrics to it. So we kind of wrote together while we we're in pre-pro, two to three songs. And then people brought in and I brought in a couple songs rehab for love. is going to be one of our singles. And, um, so this is all coming for you guys. And yeah, it was just an amazing experience to work with such cool people that were willing to give their art to the, to the program, you know, and to the band, uh, you can't get better songwriters and, and then Tommy and Buck and everybody in that room, even Billy and Kenny, we all sat there and we all made our decisions on the song. Um, and so they even have songwriting credit and 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 so much involvement as well. So it was really cool to see everybody come together. And and of course, Rich writing some of the best hooks and licks inside songs that we brought in. And and no one knows really, I think, how great Rich Fortis is. I mean, he is a monster guitar player. He just plays with monster guitar players, you know? It's like he plays with Slash. So it's like yeah. you don't get to see how real talented he is, I think especially in the writing process. But once you hear this album, you're going to have a whole, I think a whole new outlook
0: on how rich Fortis does what he does. He's just incredible. And it sounds like it was a real, you know, band experience. I mean, were you guys and so were you in there like cutting this stuff like off the floor with the band? Like how did, how did this work? Like
1: we did, we kind of went in there and we kind of already had an idea of which songs we really wanted to choose. Mm -hmm. And then um, we went in the studio, chose them. And then we just did everything live. Uh, together in in a room for like two days and got all the fundamentals and then of course you know we would do guitar overdubs and we could do s- certain things like that but we did everything but the vocals because mm-hmm. uh, down there i was already singing i we our rehearsals were like eight hours a day for like three days just before the thing so Damn. my voice was like already kind of like getting a little shot it's really hot it's like 105 degrees down yeah. in Texas so i'm like oh
0: my god not Dude, the best I'm- conditions
1: no, Tommy's like, oh, my goodness. And you're you're just getting to know these people. You're probably like blowing it out. So why don't we just go into your uh, vocals in Nashville, you know, it's a couple of weeks later after we are done this, we yeah. get to remix everything, get it really nice and padded out for you. And then that's what I did. And I went down to Nashville like about a month later, I flew down and we just did all of the vocals in about, to, you know, three or four days inside a really nice, uh, uh soul train studio down in nashville and that was so cool because it was just all about the vocals tommy buck right in the in in the room with me and billy actually came through too and and it was just nice to have these guys sitting there giving you all kinds of tips giving you all kinds of criticism but healthy and then giving you compliments when you really did nail it It was like wow that was special and it's just like whoa it was a lot to take all in one thing and there was like two cameras in my face at the same time so i'm like oh my god yeah
0: but, is it weird, you know, like, in, rock, rock is it weird to be in that scenario, though? Like, do you get a little bit of imposter syndrome? Like, you're like, what the fuck am I doing here with these guys? Oh,
1: my God. You don't even understand how much I got that. I was just like, <laughs> what is happening? You know, when you really sometimes just look at it, you're like, why am I here again? What, why yeah. do I even get to do this? And you really do. You have to check yourself. And you got And That's the point where it's not even a cocky thing. You're just like, no, you can do this. You have to do this. You know, yeah,
0: you have to and compose yourself. To
1: yeah, I got to compose and just focus on the music. Focus on what you you were trained to do. You know, you've been doing this so long for so many years, but now it's out of that level. It's your time, you know, kind of deal. And 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 they made it really easy when you got it right. And if you focus completely, focus and remember why you're there. I'm there because I love it, and I I'm here. I'm I'm singing rock and roll. This is the when I was 14. This is the reason I do it. Is it the, the, for this moment? And so. It was very easy to find something grateful for in in that in that moment and 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 embrace it and put it into the record.
0: So the record's gonna be coming out later this year. Are we going to get some tour dates from Hellings? I think
1: so. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to get those guys all together because they're you know already in the biggest bands in the world
0: and they're always touring. But well, that's I think, it. I mean, you got these guys on a record. I mean, how do you get do you get Joe Schmo to go out and replicate this library? It's
1: so hard, right? So I actually put together like a little bit of a rock and roll band in LA. I, I've been going out. I'm actually playing the Viper Room on May uh 12th. So if anybody out in LA ever wants to come see us, we're headlining. I have a little bit of a band that I put together out there through the ultimate jam nights that they do with the whiskey and stuff like that. Great players. Players that played with David Lee Roth. Um, I have a uh, Miles Shun who's uh, uh, Neil Shun's son from Journey, and I got a, a, a really great drummer in Andreas and and actually Kyle is going to be playing with us this time. But it's going to be like a, a collective group of, of musicians that are going to be replicating my whole uh, span of my records, you know, from my first one to the new songs that we're doing. So I have a band that I can always go out with, and I'm always trying to get the guys to come out, and and when they're available, they're always willing to do it. It's just really hard to get that actual group all together. Yeah. And go on a, like a world tour maybe someday i think maybe for big performances it might happen but i don't think for anything like uh a long periods of time maybe like a tv show or a festival or stuff like that you know that would really yeah. happen but um uh but i do have a really nice band and they're 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 rock stars in their own degree and and like I said, it's all about the music. We get to still continue to play the music and what we created down there, and it sounds—it's going to sound amazing. And and we're looking to get on some bigger, bigger tours. Maybe like some like George star, good fog hat. We were to been talking to some people. Got to open up for the coop. Come gross. on, huh? <laughs> Got to open up for the coop and yeah. that's what i'm saying i've already been like okay can can we get this done Tommy He's like oh i think we could definitely do that because it's always touring also i think uh, maybe even the hollywood vampires would be a really great uh tour so it will we'll be see. really
0: good exposure you know
1: oh it'd be amazing exposure so i think then those guys will come in and out of the performances as maybe guests or whatnot so um but that's that's kind of the touring schedule but you're definitely going to be able to see it live i can't
0: i can't not i cannot not play live you know so and, and look no offense to the to the la band but if the stones call and give that uh, support slot you're getting <laughs> exactly. kenny aronoff you're getting billy sheen yeah on, that's what
1: know? david said he's like uh by the way you know they're gonna want the guys you know i'm like <laughs> no problem with that and the guys i think would definitely uh, turn uh, you know stop
0: everything they're doing to go open up the stones for me <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> kenny's made his money come on he can afford <laughs> yeah i know
1: right <laughs> as long as i give him a nice hotel room you know like all oh. right Oh, yeah. I want a nice little private, you know, like first class seat, you know, and then, you know, so he's, just, he's as long as you take care of
0: me, B. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right, you know. Yeah. Well, look, Howlings, uh, new music available now. Go and check it out. Stream A Fool in Love available now. Plus the I mean, the debut power ballad single kill me to keep loving you available now uh look forward to the tour and the record later this year super exciting stuff for howling uh, so it's going to be the year of howlings much.
1: yeah i think so and thank you so much and by the way I, i've enjoyed our conversation so much let me know when you want me on again okay
0: yeah absolutely and uh, i texted tommy hendrickson a picture of us and uh, i was like look who i'm zooming with he's in row back yes <laughs> tommy what go. up Uncle Tommy, I love him. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it was a little, it's been a pleasure. Good chatting with you. Best of luck with the record. And uh, yeah, let's let's absolutely like, chat again.
1: Yeah, and and come out on the road and see us too. Okay, backstage passes, everything.
0: Yeah, I love that. Love all right, that. Bro, catering, bro. I want it all. Uh, the whole thing, Kenny Arnoff style. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. First class seat, nice hotel room.
1: Yeah, yeah. fly me out. Okay, I got you. <laughs> all
0: right. All right. All right, do it. An all new episode of The Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand
1: now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it.